shot first. Come on, grab your friends. We're gonna talk about Star Wars and stuff with Connor Oled and Andrew Roman. The fun will never end. Greeter shot first. Puta puta, everybody, and hello and welcome to Greedo Shot First. I am Connor. And I'm Andrew. And we're here to talk Star Wars, all things Star Wars, and anything closely even friggin' related to Star Wars. Andrew, how you doing today, man? I'm great. How you doing, Connor? <sighs> A little sweaty, but I, you know, it is what it is. Welcome to summertime. <laughs> You're telling me. Oh, man. So, we got something exciting for you guys today, and it's exciting for us, too, because we had a, we had fun with this topic, I think. We, uh, we have a top five uh, bounty hunter crew that we're going to put together, but the idea behind this is we're not choosing anyone who's known from, uh, I guess, you know, anyone who's well-known, right? Yeah, so you're not going to see any Bosks or Boba Fetts or any of those guys. Yes, no actual bounty hunters. That's the key. We wanted to have... Uh, you know, we wanted to choose anyone who you wouldn't actually think would belong on a team and see how they would put together. And so Andrew and I are going to go back and forth on that. Uh, but first, we want to talk a little uh, recent Star Wars news. Uh, Andrew, why don't you kick us off with that? Yeah, so, you know, we're sitting here. It's kind of like the middle of August right now. Um, but, you know, back at the very end of July, they announced the cast for Star Wars Episode Nine, which is now filming. Uh, so we kind of wanted to go through, uh, you know, some of the cast announcements and, and kind of speculate a little bit, because why not? Hell yeah. Uh, I have, You want me to start off here? I got the list right in front of me. Go for it. All right. So for returning cast, we have Daisy Ridley reprising Ray. We have Adam Driver coming in as Kylo Ren or Ben Solo, depending on how you feel about it. Uh, John Boyega as Finn. I, uh, Oscar Isaac as Poe. We have Lupita Nyong'o. I, I, I probably butchered that last name. Uh, Matt as Lupita Nyong'o. Nyong'o. Yeah, all right. I was way off. I apologize. Uh, from Maz Kanata. Uh, we have uh, Dom Hall Gleason coming back as General Hux. We got Kelly Marie Tran coming back as Rose Tico. Uh, we have Jonas Siotemo. Uh, God, I am terrible with names right now. But he's playing Chewbacca. <laughs> and uh, Billy Lord is coming back as Lieutenant Connix. Uh, Billy Lord, if you don't, guys don't know, that is Carrie Fo- uh, Car- the late Carrie Fisher's daughter. Um, yes. But um, I do find it funny that I can name almost every Star Wars character, but when it comes to real-life names, I am like I am pathetic with it. Yeah, no, de- definitely relatable. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't, like, I still don't know if I know, like, a lot of the main, major people from, like, the prequels or, like, because they're just not, the one that I'll never forget now, is, who is Jango Fett and is the, like, the clone trooper template, obviously, his name is Tamora Morrison. Oh, yeah. And he's actually going to be playing uh, Aquaman's dad. I don't know if you know that. I did know that, yeah. and that was I was really excited because like I wanted to look up who played Django Fett not that long ago, and then I saw, oh yeah, there he is in this Aquaman trailer that I also just saw. Oh my god, right? And so now you know that Aquaman's gonna be badass because he's his father just happens to be one of the greatest bounty hunters in the galaxy. No offense, so yes. <laughs> uh, uh, big names for the cast uh, coming back. Um, we have Anthony Daniels as C three PO. You know we can't have a Star Wars movie without him, except for Solo. Except for Solo, uh, we've got Mark Hamill. Spoiler. Repi- yeah, spoiler coming back as Luke. Um, we have Billy D. Williams coming back as Lando. That's a big catch. 
Um, yeah. I'm excited to see exactly what they do with his character in the story. And also Carrie Fisher. Uh, what This is uh, a big deal for a lot of people. They're wondering exactly how Carrie Fisher is going to be put into the story. And from what I've read and uh, from what I've researched about it, uh, apparently what they're going to do is they're going to use unused footage that they have from Episode 7 and uh, just kind of put it into the story somehow. So how do you think that's going to play out? Well, you know, I mean, I I have all the trust in everything, uh, you know, that it'll work out. I mean, obviously they're, they're able to do some really creative things using kind of that deep fake CGI technology nowadays. I mean, we even saw that in, uh, you know, in Rogue One with... Uh, Tarkin and then also like Carrie Fisher as a, you know, as young princess Leia. Um, you know, so I, I, I have no doubt that it'll be fine. I just hope that the scenes that they have are, you know, will work. That's, that's a very good point because you never know exactly. I don't know if they had the whole story exactly laid out from the beginning of filming episode seven. And so it's hard to say whether or not the the scenes that they haven't used yet are going to work for the story, you know, because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's I don't want to see what they did with uh, Superman in uh, Justice League and kind of just put a mouth over it, you know, yeah. like, they do, yeah. like the old late night thing. Um, <laughs> it would be kind of funny, but at the same time, you know, you want to respect the, her late wishes and everything. And I'm sure everyone wants to see Carrie Fisher just pull it off one last time. So yeah. I'm yeah. hoping for the best on that. Yeah, I, I kind of I have a little bit of mixed feelings, I guess, because it's kind of like it's a little bit of a shame to me because I just feel like she was so much stronger in the last Jedi. Like I felt like, you know, you could kind of tell that Carrie Fisher, you know, had kind of not acted in that much recently in the force awakens in particular, but I thought she, you know, she felt much more natural, much more like, you know, the princess Leia that we know and remember, um, you know, in the last Jedi. That's a good point because I mean, if you think about it, they like, they changed up her, uh, her, uh, her title, really. She's no longer a princess or, you know, uh, some kind of, uh, you know, senator or political figure. She is now a general, yeah. you know. So she was a general, uh, Leia Organa, in Episode 7. And in, in Episode 8, she looked way more regal than she had. You know, she's wearing, like, a long-flowing dress and everything. She's got her hair all did up and whatnot. So, I mean, that's saying some, that they, uh, they are trying to keep the princess motif going. But at the same time, you still know that she's just the figurehead for the resistance and everything like that. She still has that resounding hope around her, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, she's still... You know, I think that kind of re- reawakened that spirit for me, like, in The Last Jedi. Even though it's kind of a sad movie that doesn't end on a good note, you know, you. but I felt kind of, like, restored that, oh, they're doing the right thing. Well, you know how people like to compare, you know, they, Episode 7 to Episode 4 now. You know, they're saying that they just kind of carbon copied it, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess a lot of people would almost say the same thing about, uh, you know, Empire and The Last Jedi. And I mean, you can even say the same thing because I mean, as much of a downer as like the you know the end of Empire was, there was still that glimmer of hope at the end. You know, you knew that things were going to work out somehow. You know, you just saw that they were looking at the galaxy. It's basically the same thing at the end of uh, you know the Last Jedi. As long as there's still a fighting chance, there's always hope in the galaxy. You know, so it'll be interesting to see how they pull that off. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, looking looking forward to that. But I guess with that, we should also talk about the new casting. Yes, uh, this is what I'm actually very excited for. When I was doing research about it, uh, the three big names that come to mind, uh, well, that that are uh, added to the list, and I'm going to try and not butcher this first name, Naomi Aki. 
I think that's how you say it. I believe Naomi that's Aki. it. Uh, she is unlisted. There's no uh, identity for her role yet. Uh, there's also Richard E. Grant, who also has no role yet, as well as everyone's favorite, Carrie Russell. And uh, from what I remember when I was talking to you before the episode, uh, you said that you got some theories about Carrie Russell, and I want to hear what you got to say about it. Well, sure. So, I mean, I think there's a few kind of major thoughts, uh, you know, or, or one or things that people want to obviously jump at. I mean, I guess from a from the most abstract perspective, I think a lot of people are like, "Oh yeah, she's definitely going to be Ray's mom, right?" You know, because no, I'm sorry, well, I was going to say I've also heard uh, just fleeting rumors, of course, uh, that she might play a Knight of Ren. Uh, which yeah. they were only teased in episode seven. So everyone's wondering where the heck they are, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. And like, we're throwing back to JJ Abrams now, and that was kind of his mm-hmm. idea the Knights of Ren. So, you know, I could definitely see them having a role, particularly after, you know, the last Jedi kind of eliminated so many of the like obvious bad oh, guys yeah. oh, with, God. with Snoke and all of his Praetorian oh, guards. I mean, it, it, there was so much buildup around it. It was just insane. Because uh, you, I mean, you, the the year in between the two movies really was just the year of speculation. Mm-hmm. You know, anything mm-hmm. and everything was valid. Anything and everything you know could have some merit to it. And then the movie comes out and just completely shuts down everybody. Right? It went complete one eighty yeah. on everybody. That's how I feel about it. But it, not not yeah. to say that it wasn't you know well executed because it definitely was. But I mean, I know that I was probably one of the, one of many who was just like. Oh, you know, it's like, who is Snoke? You know, who are Ray's parents? Uh, it just all the obvious questions, you know. So yeah. people still yeah. want answers to those questions, I think. And I, I'm one of those people. I think you're one of those people as well. Because, I mean, you just got to know that Ray has something in her if she happens to be this one spark of hope for the Jedi Order. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. Like, to me, like, honestly, you know, one of my very favorite lines from the entirety of The Last Jedi was Kylo's Ren kylo's line to ray like saying you know your parents are nothing they were nobodies you were sold for drinking money whatever um you know because no matter what like whether that is true that's okay like that's something and if it's not true then like it's going to be a great moment in the next movie i mean for all we know he could have been trying to twist her mind get her on his side you know because he's he's already walking down a dark path and uh you know at times it seemed like ray was moments away from doing the exact same thing herself you know so but i want to get back to her in a little bit because uh the other two names are actually a little startling for me now um i uh we both read novels uh you know in the star wars lore and there are novel after novel coming out recently for uh the new star wars canon uh, one of the most recent novels that actually come out was uh, Star Wars Thrawn Alliances, okay? And I recently just finished reading it, and uh, the reason I bring that up is because Naomi Aki and Richard E. Grant, uh, with the unknown rules, uh, there is a theory out there right now that Richard E. Grant might actually play Grand Admiral Thrawn. Which would be a pretty big deal. <laughs> oh my god, would it be a pretty big deal. Uh, for those of you who do not know, Admiral Thrawn is um, a member of the Chiss Ascendancy. Uh, they are primarily located within the Unknown Regions of the galaxy. And the Unknown Regions are, well, <laughs> they're unknown. Yeah. You know, it, it, they're, uh, The idea behind them is being that they are just way too dangerous to be charted 
there's no safe hyperspace routes through them or anything like that. So, you know, it's always just kind of been kind of the forbidden zone. But there's this whole race out there called the Chiss. And uh, they have their own version of the Empire called the Ascendancy that kind of have domain over parts of the Unknown Region. And with uh, Thrawn coming into the Empire itself, because he was a Grand Admiral in the Empire... He was able to map out uh, a lot of charts for Emperor Palpatine to, uh, you know, get safely through the Unknown Regions itself. And I think that actually plays a big part towards uh, how the First Order came to be. Because when they fled, it was said that they fled to the yeah. Unknown Regions. I mean, I think that's, like, I've been pretty skeptical about this, particularly kind of like waiting until Episode Nine to introduce a character like Thrawn. Um, yeah. You know, although, I mean, well, and we'll kind of get... I'll touch on this in a little bit again, but like, you know, I think as much as anything, I don't think this was their plan. Oh no. I mean, oh, no. you know, well, I guess I'll just get into it now, but, um, <laughs> you know, I kind of go back and you look at, you know, the, the events of episode seven and it's kind of like, okay, this is how star Wars is saying goodbye to Han. Um, you know, and then we see episode eight play out, um, you know, and it's literally called the last Jedi and it's like, okay, this is kind of how we say goodbye to Luke. Um, you know, and I think certainly the plan was that episode nine was going to be Leia's swan song. Um, you know, I, like, I don't, I don't think it's much more convoluted than that. I mean, you know, people can, can love or hate either episode seven or episode eight, but, you know, I think that was kind of the, the outline. Real quick. Are you worried about Lando? Um, (laughs) how do you mean? Well, I'm just saying that, uh, like I said, when they announced Harrison Ford was coming back for, uh, you know, episode seven, it was a big deal. And uh, he's off the, you know, he's off the cast now for a good reason. And, uh, you know, episode eight, uh, Luke finally comes into play and uh, he gets kicked off as well. You know, and it's kind of hard to say you're going to kick off Leia because you want to respect, uh, you know, someone who recently passed mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that they're going to try and do something with it. But I feel like Lando is heading into some deep water. And I know that there's a lot of jokes out there right now. Of people are just being like, put Lando in like, you know, just carbonite freeze. Don't let yeah. him out. Like, we don't <laughs> want him to go away. <laughs> you know, and I feel like Donald Glover reprising uh, Lando in the solo movie definitely brought a lot of fervor to his character. A lot of new fun ideas to yeah. it. No, absolutely. Well, uh, I think, like, I think to me, like, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, like, worried that, oh, they're going to kill off Lando now instead. Oh, yeah. But, oh, yeah. you know, but my hope, my only hope is that they will take, like, you know, everything that Billy D. Williams was as Lando in Empire and Return of the Jedi and then add on to that everything that Donald Glover was. And, like, he's just going to be, like, the most ridiculous, like, garishly dressed, like, like he's gonna have some sort of like fancy wheelchair or something like that. <laughs> he's gonna come out like uh, uh, Owen Lars's dad. Uh, I can't remember his dang name, Klieg. but like he had the Klieg. one leg. Cleek, yes, Cleek Lars. He comes out on the hover chair, right? He could have a cool ass hover chair with some spinners on it. And yeah, stuff like but that. It, yeah, but know. it would have to be all you know gold plated and. Well, just I mean, just imagine his first meeting with Ray. Hello, what have we here? Oh, you yes. Know, but he's oh, breathing yeah. through an oxygen mask <laughs> like uh, Saw Gerrera. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like you got to do some justice to the character. But you know, it, it, I just hope that he is just as badass as he was in the uh, you know the original yeah. trilogy and in yeah. Solo. He yeah. he definitely played a big and part. I just I mean I and like badass in the capacity that I just want him to be really suave. Like I think is what it yes. comes down to for me. Like, I don't want to see, like, this kind of, like, fake action stuff. 
with Billy D. Williams necessarily. Exactly. Yeah, you want to see him actually pull off some epic stunts and whatnot. And I would like to also think that if he's coming back, that he gets a chance to go on to uh, the Millennium Falcon and have like one last chat with L three. How would that? Uh, I think that would be incredible. Again, uh, real quick, spoilers. I'm sorry, I, I am we're, speaking out loud. We're just here. getting started just getting with started. this. It's we'll, we'll get better, I promise. Oh my god! But yeah, I would like to have some kind of like interaction between him and you know the three brains of the of the Millennium Falcon, one of them being L three, yeah. and just seeing like, oh, it's been years, boss, or something like yeah. that. You know, yeah. just have some kind of moment. No, absolutely. I mean, I think that's going to be, you know, I. To me, that's going to be one of the most critical scenes. Um, you know, I think there's, I mean, there was, I, I've read some articles about people like complaining about how like we never get to see like Han and Luke reunite or anything like that. Right. Um, you know, but in some ways, like that actually doesn't bother me that much. But I think like, you know, Lando's knowledge of Han's passing and like, that kind of experience is going to be more important. That's true. I mean, it, it, it will be epic to see exactly how, like just how it's all done in retro time. There could be something where it's like, uh, you know, one final ride for the millennium Falcon with its original owner or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, honestly, if you want to get, if you want to talk brass tacks about owners for the millennium Falcon, I do know that apparently, uh, that, falcon or that yt1300 is i mean it's over a hundred years old at least like it's had a lot more previous owners than just land yeah they did a um they they once made a book about that it's probably considered legends now but yeah well we consider it you know true yeah, <laughs> yeah. donald want to call it fake le- you know yeah. fake yeah. canon or whatever yeah. you want to call it and, and i mean it was pretty fantastic though because like you know they kind of chase back the first owner as far as they can and then they basically just realize like I don't think we're ever going to figure it out. That's true. And you want to know that it is super canon because it actually appears in, I want to say, episode two or episode three? Episode three. three. It yeah, is episode three. You can see three. it in like, the background when I think, well, I don't know. It's not really that important. I don't want to relive those movies. I, I know what you mean. But I'm just saying that they, I mean, for what started off as just a little Easter egg of having just a generic YT-1300, it turns out that that was legitimately the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, yeah, and I believe so. they tell that story in the Millennium Falcon novel. Yeah, he just happens to be landing at the Senate building or whatever. Yeah. Um, but getting back to the casting, the reason I brought up the Thrawn uh, Alliances book is because the uh, the third character I brought up, or uh, the third uh, add-on uh, actress, Naomi Aki, uh, with her being an unknown and her role being unknown, uh, from what everyone's speculating online, from what I've heard, is she's going to be playing this navigator that the Resistance is actually going to be um, rescuing from some planet, some planet in the unknown regions. The thing about that that makes it epic is uh, with the Chiss and uh, their charting of the unknown regions, the one way that they were able to do it to actually get through these, you know, black holes and everything safely was they actually used Force-sensitive younglings of their race, Force-sensitive Chiss. Wow. Namely female, right? So okay. you want to talk, I want to say like... Um, Female chiss between the ages of like five and fifteen, like as soon as they reach adolescence and stuff like that, the uh, the precog the precognition as they call it just starts to fade. Mm-hmm. And there's actually speculation out there that Thrawn used to have that precognition, but it's more pro uh, it's more predominant in just the female part of the race. 
Um, so my thought is that Naomi Aki will actually be playing a Chiss female who has this precognition. And that's kind of how they're going to work in Admiral Thrawn himself. And wow. <laughs> you want to know another fun little tidbit? Uh, they actually call these four sensitive younglings Skywalkers. <laughs> I just learned that today. I, I'm not even kidding. Uh, that 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 part was in the book, but I I double checked it today. Is it because of Anakin, or is it? No, no. I mean, it was just straight up coincidence with that. I'd like to learn more about how that comes to me, but according to uh, uh, Admiral Thrawn, I don't have the exact word itself, but they have a word for these four sensitive younglings, which just happens to translate into Skywalker. And the idea is that they are Skywalkers towards the... Uh... <laughs> All right, Callie, I know, it's boring. Uh, their uh, Skywalkers are um, actually the ones who navigate through the space itself. So, you may, you know, they're walking on the sky, so to speak. Yeah. And uh, when Thrawn actually meets Anakin Skywalker early in the book, he's kind of thrown through a loop because it's the first time he's, you know, heard the word, you know, used as a... Like uh, basic... Or... Exactly, yeah. So he's, he was surprised to see that uh, there's a whole race of, uh, or rather there's a whole clan of these Force-sensitive beings out here, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. one just happened to be named Skywalker itself, so it was just incredibly ironic, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the thing I love about these novels themselves is that they retroactive, uh, re- retroactively uh, go back and, like, categorize and just pull out the littlest details and just pop them right back in the canon. I mean, Thrawn himself was the big baddie in his own trilogy of novels after Return of the Jedi. Like, when that movie originally came out, they published these three novels by Timothy Zahn, and he was the big bad who was taking over the Empire and everything like that. And uh, I think he stuck with a lot of people for a long time, and now he's back in a big way. He's uh, he's a villain in the uh, Rebel show. He's got his own comic book out now. I mean, what else can you say about the guy? He's amazing. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, definitely, you know, I, I think one of the problems that a lot of franchises and a lot of, uh, you know, kind of media properties have is that, you know, after you kind of have this original story, it's sometimes hard to, like, create new villains that live up to the threat that is required to like make a, you know, a good story between the hero and villain. Uh, you know, but Thrawn is definitely one of those characters that, that, you know, from like the early nineties has like captivated a a lot of people. Um, you know, and, and certainly I, I give Disney credit that they've kind of, you know, gradually kind of eased him back into, you know, existence, that he is a real actual canon character. Yeah, they didn't do it in any kind of ridiculous way either, which I love, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I've been, I've actually been reading uh, the the Thrawn novel, not Thrawn Alliances and not the, the Thrawn trilogy, but it's just Thrawn and it's basically kind of his story and how he rose through the ranks. And I mean, it's it's incredible. It's fascinating. That book itself is actually really interesting too, because I like the the dynamic between uh, how the alien uh, the aliens of the Empire, as well as uh, the Outer Rim backworld people, are treated. They're almost like equal status to anyone in the Empire, because it doesn't yeah. even matter if you're still human. You know, if you're from one of these backwater worlds, the the core worlds are going to look down on you. You know, they're going to look like white trash to them, essentially. You know, yeah. I think they call no, him like outer rim trash or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Well, he's wild space. Yes, yes. E- Eli. Uh, yeah, he was one of my favorite characters. I felt bad for him. 
<laughs> but he, I mean, like, he, he, yeah, he eventually works things out for himself, but it's just like, he just wants to, you know, he just wants to fly a, a tugger, and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's about right. Oh, man. But, so anyway, I'm just going to quickly, I guess, to bring it all full circle, now that we've talked about Thrawn, and I didn't know about the Force-sensitive Chiss. Mm-hmm. I had not heard that yet. I haven't read Thrawn, Thrawn Alliances yet. But I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it, um, you know. But so obviously, the other most famous character that kind of came around when Thrawn was introduced, and she was introduced in the same novel, um, you know, is a character called Mara Jade, who, I mean, I have seen also like for Carrie Russell in particular that her character is codenamed Mara. Yeah. I did hear that. I mean, I think I think that's a little on the nose. It is on the nose, and they could it, it could just be a red herring. You know what I mean? Red hair, red hair Ooh, herring. God dang it! I just I walk right into that <laughs> damn thing. <laughs> but you're right though, because I mean, that that's that's the name of the game right now. It's it's just all speculation because you just want to kind of guess, and it's going to be the same thing right up until the movie itself comes out, just like it was for the Last Jedi. Everyone's just going to be asking questions and just wondering what the heck they're going to be doing. Until I think mm-hmm. like the first trailer actually drops, I don't think we're going to learn a single thing. And no. when that trailer drops, I mean, we're going to do in-depth analysis, I'm sure. We're going to scrutinize every, oh, yes. <laughs> every yeah. frame. Be an hour-long podcast detailing like a minute-and-a-half-long trailer. Like, did you see how white their helmets were? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Clearly, you yeah. know, clearly on Hoth. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, you know, my summation is I would love if it was like if they kind of decide to do a backdoor Thrawn storyline. But again, I'm kind of skeptical that they would wait until episode nine to do that. Um, You know, but maybe that, you know, this just kind of sets up one of the subsequent trilogies that will happen, you know, down the road. That's also true. They want to start the uh, a new trilogy after episode nine, but it's not a it's not going to be part of the Skywalker saga. Yeah, Skywalker saga. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and to me, that might be the perfect place for a Thrawn-like character just because, you know, you would have this very powerful villain that in many ways is kind of sympathetic, um, you know, and, and that might be a good hook for a world of Star Wars movies without any Skywalkers. That's very true. Or Solos. <laughs> well, I think uh, it's safe to say that uh, you and I both have an affection for Thrawn himself, and uh, we should table him for right now because I feel like we could do a whole episode on him and the Chiss itself. Yes. Um, you know, and I'm I'm all for that. Uh, but right now, I'd like to jump into our bounty hunter list uh, to reiterate to everybody uh, the way that this is going to work is we picked f- uh, five different people this is a bounty hunter draft as andrew would put it and we we picked five different people uh from our list of people to actually be on a bounty hunter team with us and they cannot be bounty hunters themselves and they cannot be core members of the star wars movies or anything like that so no luke no leia no han no boba no, like you were saying yeah. you know no, no jedis uh at all also that was another rule because otherwise it would be the teams would probably be a little bit, you know, stacked. In, exactly. In like I said, you can't have, uh, you know, Sith on one and Jedi on the other and just yeah. call it a day. <laughs> yeah. Because you, you could just decimate the entire galaxy with something like that, I feel like. Oh, but uh, I'll tell you what. Why don't you start us off? Because I'm, I'm curious. Since this was your idea, I'd like you to go for the, fu- the first name in this bounty hunter draft. 
All right, it's a name that we've said a whole lot already oh, this no. episode. My first overall pick, Grand Admiral Thrawn. And the game is over. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, it. <laughs> uh, you know what? I had every 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 chance to pick him, and I was just kept thinking to myself, like, it's too obvious. But, I mean, it's not that it's a bad thing, because Thrawn himself, like, why don't you explain to it, 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 why he's so cool? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, as much as anything, Thrawn's not necessarily the guy that's going to overpower his, you know, his target. I mean, he's not necessarily the most gifted shooter or hand-to-hand combat or anything like that. But what he makes up for is just, you know, part of being a good bounty hunter is about being able to be a good planner. Yes. And, like, he is the ultimate master tactician. Like, I mean, there's not anybody that we've seen in any of the movies that comes close to the the way that Thrawn can kind of, like, pick apart a plan before it even happens. I do like the fact that Thrawn's one biggest attribute is the fact that all it takes is for him to uh, examine a piece of that species' art. Yes. And he's able to just figure out their entire strategy from that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he can derive all of these different inferences. It's insane. Yeah. yeah um, absolutely. I remember the first time I read it, I was just uh, I was blown away. Okay. So for my first pick, uh, I'm doing a complete 180 on you, and this is actually fun for me to look up because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get some information about my characters. I didn't realize he had a full name until now. I pick Wicket W. Warwick. <laughs> first overall? First well, o- no, I mean number two overall. I mean still, yeah. But like he was the first one that came to mind when we talked about this. And I did it kinda as a funny thing, but I realized that like he he does have some skill to it and you gotta give him some credit where credit's due. And the way I put it out was he was the one who brokered peace between the rebels and the Ewoks themselves, and I feel like if it wasn't for him, you know, the Empire would just have won the day in Return of the Jedi. But not to say that uh, he's also very small, he's very unpredictable, so he's able to get into those tight corners and everything like that. And he's just adorable, so I feel like all he has to do is come waddling out and, like, you know, just say a couple of his little catchphrases. He's very disarming. Yes, exactly, and he could, he could totally just take anyone else out just from that fact. But uh, beyond that, like uh, like I said, he's just small, he's sneaky, and he's unpredictable, and I feel like you need someone like that on your crew. And he was the first one that came to mind when we talked about this, so that's why he's kind of my number one. And his last name is Warwick, so what the hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, that works. I I don't. I think that might be a little bit high. I think he would have been available in a later round. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, I, I respect it. All right, my next pick... Wedge Antilles. Oh, that's a good pick. And and it gets better because so I'm kind of actually basing this not entirely on, you know, his appearances in the movies, um, but also on the books, the old Legends canon. Um He was the uh the lead in the Rebel uh the or no, the uh X Wing books, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, correct. He was the yeah, like there was a series of books called X Wing, um, and they were basically you know, told through him somewhat. I mean, it wasn't like first person, but it was like the story of him trying to develop these specialty teams of starfighter pilots. Um, Like I think the first four books deal with him and rogue squadron, which we, we see rogue squadron in the, uh, in the movies. Um, But then it actually shifts over to what's called Wraith squadron. I've heard of Wraith. Yes, and that's, to me, actually where his value as a bounty hunter comes in. 
because basically the Wraith Squadron was designed to be a group of elite starfighter pilots who are also elite commandos. Um, but he also kind of purposefully recruited these very like non-traditional individuals, including like a Gamorrean. <laughs> oh, wow. How did he fit into the cockpit? <laughs> I don't know. He must have had a specially designed <laughs> X-Wing, I would think. He, he was fitting um, into Porkin's old suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's probably it, actually. But but so basically, it was this group of people that all had these very special skills that made them good you know, in the air and on the ground, and I think that's important to being a good balance. Uh, that's man. true. I'm going to back you up with this one. Uh, this is a uh, kind of out there character, but he was always my favorite character from the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So for my second mm-hmm. pick... I'm going with Hondo Onaka. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. Now, let me, let me just spell it out for you. You want to know how badass this guy is? He captured not only Obi-Wan and Anakin, but also Count Dooku at the same time. And this, he true. is just a legitimate pirate or legitimate businessman, as he likes to put him. And uh, he's just like this straight-up weak way, uh, you know, little badass pirate guy. But he's, he is a fast talker. He's an obvious leader. He knows the underworld well, and he just he just wants to get paid. But he's also there to have a good time. And so he has a heart, you know. He just doesn't like to show it as much. But I feel like his pocketbook's bigger than his heart sometimes, and that kind of helps with the bounty hunter. You know, if you yeah. give him the right price, yeah. I think no. he'll work for you. Absolutely. And Absolutely. when it comes to my team, I'd like to put him at the head of it because I feel like he would know what he's doing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No, he's natural natural exactly. leader. Exactly. Yes. I I mean I'll be honest. He was on my long list yeah. that I kind of cut down and then, and then I cut it down again. And, but, but I, I was kind of thinking, you know what he is like, he has a knack for s- somehow getting a hold of very important. Yeah, people. One of my favorite lines from him was just, we're pirates. We don't even know what that means. You know, just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was just so great in the show. And like I said, and he, I think he replies his role in the, in the, in the, uh, the rebel show as well. So when he pops up there, he's just like, you know, I used to have friends that were Jedi, you know, like he, he, he was just a lovable pirate. You know, he's the kind of guy you want to have around. Absolutely. Absolutely. uh, Yeah. So number two for me, Hondo Onaka. All right. (laughs) I'm looking at my third choice, but I don't know how you're going to feel about this, that if he's, if this character is a legitimate pick or not. Chewbacca. Oh, well, all right. I'll say it out front. He he is one of the big wigs I was trying to avoid. Yeah, you know? I don't think we explicitly stated him, and I was like, oh, I don't know if he's that important or not. But it's hard to say because I mean, as as popular as he is, there's not as many popular Wookies out there besides him. Mm-hmm. And you do want a Wookie, I feel like, right? Well, that's basically it. I mean, he's just big. He's ferocious. He's intimidating. He's the muscle. He's the muscle. Yeah. I mean, simple enough. You know, he's not he's not the alpha dog. He's not Thrawn. Yeah. And like, you know, I kind of like Wedge as a junior officer to Thrawn, you know, but Chewbacca is just like, I'm just here to knock skulls. And on top of that, he's a, he's a crack shot pilot and a mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. So you need one of those. Exactly. And he looks good for his age. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad pick though. I like it. All right. All right. For mine, my number three, um, I feel like every bounty hunter uh, group, uh, you know, it's worth their salt. Needs a droid, 
and I picked a particular droid that's close to my heart, particularly because of his uh, little story in Star Wars from a certain point of view, and that droid is R5-D4, <laughs> also known, <laughs> also known <laughs> as Skippy the Jedi droid. <laughs> Oh no! I swear to God. So uh, apparently, uh, in a Legends book, in a Legends little comic book, they actually wrote a backstory for R R five D four where he was. And we should explain who R five D four is. So okay, so uh, if anyone remembers A New Hope, uh, there was uh, the scene uh, against the Sandcrawler where the, the droids were being sold to the Lars family, and uh, Owen Lars picks C three PO and he picks uh, the red astromech instead of R two D two, and that red astromech blows its top, and then R two D two is picked. Now there's a story behind that that's actually canon now, but the uh, legend story goes to the idea that he was actually force sensitive, and the idea being that he blew his top through his use of the force to save the galaxy or something like that i don't know the exact yes. details but i just love the fact that his name was skippy the, the jedi droid you know yeah. um, yeah. but as for his canon story it's very sad but it's very cute like in the it, it's a it's a star wars novel called from a certain point of view that views uh 40 different pov stories from a new hope and one of the stories being of R5-D4, and he's just a sad little droid who just wants a drop of uh, lubrication and stuff like that. He just wants to be sold. And then R2-D2 comes along, and he thinks he's not going to get sold. And so R he wakes up to find R2-D2 in his cavity trying to sabotage him, only to realize that R2-D2 is actually repairing this R5-D4's <laughs> deception mode that was uh -huh. nullified. And he has some kind of uh, you know flashback to when... He was actually in the Rebel Alliance, and when R5 or when R2D2 tells R5D4 that he needs to get back to the Rebel Alliance because the fate of the galaxy depends on it, R5D4 uses his deception mode and pops his top. Thus, R2D2 gets sold. He gets sent back onto it, and sure enough, later on in the story, the stormtroopers come and they uh, they wreck the entire sandcrawler. But R5 is left alone because he uses his deception mode again to power off, and then he just rolls on his way out and rolls to the nearest moisture farm to his new owners, and he lives happily ever after. But <laughs> Wow. Just, I mean, like, I know it's insane, but the fact of the matter is that this guy had so much, he's so loyal to himself and he just wants to help. And if it wasn't for him, the galaxy would have been screwed. Like R2-D2 never would have gone in there. So I feel like he has that will to, uh, you know, put up a fight and, you know, you, you never know when you're going to need an astromech. So what the hell? The will to succeed. Yes, exactly. So for number three for me, R5-D4, Skippy, the Jedi droid. <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. that, that's a pretty strong pick. I didn't. I mean, I had heard that he was called Skippy the Jedi Droid. I, I honestly never knew why. It's so silly, but it's funny. Yeah, but that's that's a very deep story. It's way deeper than I would. I'm have telling expected. you, man, it's great. So my next pick, I'm going back to the Legends books again for this one. Nom Anor. He is the executor of the Yuzon Vong. Ooh, all right. So this is this is not my area, but I want to hear more about this. What describe who they are. So the the Yuzon Vong and I mean, I simultaneously love like the whole New Jedi Order story as well as hate it because it's kind of absurd when you actually think about it. But they are extra galactic invaders who 
have been on these like world ships for millennia, like traveling between galaxies. Right. And so they finally arrive in the galaxy in which Star Wars is set, like in the year 25 ABY. So like after the Battle right. of Yavin. Right. And basically they proceed, they're just like these like monsters that are like, I mean, they're all massive and they're all self-flagellating and they do all these like terrible things and they basically conquer the entire galaxy. Um, and in so doing, they kill, I think I read online that it was 365 trillion oh inhabitants. Oh yeah. I think so. uh, it, it's, it's crucial to mention that when it comes to their weaponry and uh, their fighting capability. Yeah. yeah, it's all like organic. It's all organic. So like they have living weapons. Yes. And then on top of that, they are not nullified by the force. Yeah, that's a very important reason why I want him on my bounty hunter. Team. That's true. That's good. That's a good thing to have. Yeah, because he can't. He cannot be detected in the force. Oh, that's true. Um, so that would be great if I was going after a, a Jedi. Oh my God, that's that's um, a brutal pick. Yeah. What so, what makes him exactly uh, you know brutal in his own right? Does he have any kind of like uh, you know big uh, big moments? Well, yeah. So Naminor was actually first introduced in the. Dark Horse Comics, I think Dark Empire okay. is the storyline. Um, but so he is actually the very first Yuzon Vong to arrive. Like he was sent out in just like a, you know, a single man craft to basically start to sow some discord in the, in the uh, new, uh, new Republic. I guess it was the new Republic then. I think it was the new Republic. Yeah. Then. Uh, you, you would kind of call him a herald almost. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's basically like the he's the ultimate trickster sort of. So like, I mean, for 20 like so he arrives in 6 ABY apparently. Okay. So like not long after the Galactic Empire had been destroyed. Um but so in so doing, like he basically just adopted all of these costumes, learned to speak different languages in the galaxy and was able to you know, basically just cause chaos and basically caused a lot of unrest working behind the scenes uh, to like kind of stoke fires with the remaining Imperial remnant and make them upset with the new Republic. And just, I mean, he was just, uh, just super cunning. That is and he can't be sensed by Jeff. Yes. That's so. also <laughs> a big thing. Like you said, so I, 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 like I said, I only know uh, the barest minimum about the Yuuzhan Vong, but I do know that they are just beyond brutal when it comes to the way that they operate and everything like that. So that is a good choice. That uh, you've already kicked me out of the water because there's no way I'm following him with mine. Um, <laughs> for my, um, for my fourth pick, uh, his it's a simple name. His name is Reddy. Okay. Uh, for the use do, do for everyone who does not know, Reddy is a Tordarian. Uh, much like Watto from uh, The Phantom Menace. And he showed up in the uh, Star Wars Jedi Starfighter games. Uh, he was in both of them. Um, I forget the, the, exactly what they were called. But um, he is a Toydarian who flies uh, you know, flies a kick-ass ship. And he's a mechanic. He's able to, you know, for some reason he has this ability to uh, fix ships that he's not even on. You know, <laughs> I feel like wow. that's, a, that's a key element to have. That's that's pretty strong. Yeah, uh, he's a motor mouth, but I feel like you need a conversationalist on your team because yeah. you have long trips. You want to have you want to talk to somebody. But he, here's a big deal. 
He was also critical in uh, the uh, invasion of Naboo. He was in, he was critical in stopping uh, all the uh, the you know the ships themselves from actually entering the atmosphere. Uh, so I think that's a big deal. It shows how much of a big deal he actually is. And so much so that he goes on to actually brag to people whenever he meets like, oh, hey, you know, it's like no big deal. I just happened to stop the invasion of Naboo, you know. But uh, he goes on <laughs> to join a, a pirate crew himself and uh, he becomes a big, uh, uh, you know, a big member of that crew. And uh, he was always just so fun, you know. Like, uh, he, uh, I don't know if anyone remembers exactly what Watto was like. He's just essentially a giant bug with a big kind of trunk nose. And uh, he just, he's just really fun to be around. He's a, he's a conversationalist, and I feel like you need someone on there. And on top of that, I just need a pilot. And I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt because I always liked him in the game. So. Well, there you go. I like that. I mean, that's, that's honestly one that, like, I, I don't know. I don't remember ever playing the Jedi Starfighter They were good. I, I mean... I've noticed that I noticed that the first one I think was available on uh, on Steam. Oh now. yeah, it's I I don't even know if I would play that one or not. The second one was, it was Jedi Starfighter. Jedi Starfighter. Yeah, Star Fighter, that's right. Yeah. And uh, that had you had more fun with that because you could use the the Starfighter from Episode Two and Three and everything. But yeah. um, you know, they they made a pretty big deal about it, and uh, not to mention the fact that uh, Reddy is such a big deal that he actually has a bounty on himself, and none none other than Django Fett comes out to get him. Wow. Yeah, so... <laughs> he must be a big deal. That's what I'm saying. If he, I'll, t- I'll take your word for he, it. He's got a big deal since he's on there, so that's my number four. All right. Very nice. Okay, for my last pick, I'm going to be kind of brief with him. Okay. It is... Arc Trooper CT5555. Ooh, fives. Also known as fives from the Clone Wars tele- TV show. Oh, tell it like it is, man. What so, we got? So, you know, so he is an Arc Trooper, which is considered like the elite of the elite. The special forces, rather. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just, I mean, he was instrumental in surviving many battles. He uncovered a grand conspiracy. He actually figured out Order 66 before it happened. That's right. That was him, um, huh? Yep, yep. Uh where he eventually laid down his life, but that's besides. Uh, the um but uh he yeah, he's just like the pinnacle of like a, you know, of the clone trooper program and doesn't hurt that he's literally Django Fett reincarnated. Oh yeah. And you know what's even better is uh I mean, you got to imagine the clone army, it's all the same person essentially. But with the Clone Wars itself, it gave almost every one of them their own personality. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Fives himself uh, was, uh, you know, probably one of my favorite ones when he popped out. Yeah. It wasn't one of his first appearances uh, when they were in the training arena. Yeah. It was like, we just call him Fives. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun because, you know, you can tell that they're starting to develop their own personality. They have their own nicknames for each other. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Fives was always just a fun character but he was very valiant and very much a badass at the same time and he fought alongside anakin skywalker for goodness sake you know so he's he's got something under him i can tell you that oh all right for my number five is uh i'll keep it as brief as i can as well um i kind of saved the best for last in my opinion um i don't know if you know this character or not i'm hoping you do but i only know him from one book uh, and I know he was uh, popular in the Knights of the Old Republic game. His name is Theron Shane, or Theron Shan, rather. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, okay, I know who you're. 
Speaking yes. of. Yes. Uh, to give you a little bit of background on him, he was trained at a young age by the Jedi until they would realize that he had no Force sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, then later on, he would go to work for the Republic Strategic Information Service, or rather the RSIS, <laughs> and uh, he was a top field agent for them as well. And he was uh, critical to various operations during the, Gal- the Galactic War, uh, you know, between uh, the Sith and the Republic and everything yes. like that. So he played a major role in a lot of these things. Uh, the first time I was ever introduced to him was through uh, the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic book, Annihilation. And uh, in that book, he uh, he fought alongside uh, Satil Shan, who you actually found out was his mother. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't know, Satil Shan at the time was the Grand Master of the Jedi Order. Yes. And his father was Jace Malcolm, who actually turns out to be the Supreme Commander of the Republic Army. So you want to talk about some statistics. That's, yeah. <laughs> your mother is the Grand Master Jedi, and your father is the leader of the military. Yes. And yes. How are you not going to expect something great from this guy? No, that's a very valid point. That's I know, like I do, like I know him, but like I don't know him well because I think he was in the old. Is that what it was? Yeah, the MMO. Okay. Um, but but yeah, that's pretty uh, very elite company. And uh, and, like on top of that, like I said, he's he's fluent in uh, a few languages. He's not afraid to go to all the, uh, you know, Nalhutta and all these, uh, you know, backworld backwater worlds themselves and everything like that um he's good with the blaster you know and he's got some kick-ass gauntlets that can shoot out uh toxicity darts and stuff like that um just from what i remember from the book basically but you know he's got some basic uh slicing skills and everything which you need and uh you know he's just an all-around great character to have on your team i feel like so you know yeah that is i mean i feel like from a fighting perspective that's probably your. That is. You need your best. someone who's a bit of a spy, and that's yeah. kind of where he. Yeah. 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 No, I I agree. I think that's. I kind of. I almost just like cheated and was like, oh, I'm just gonna look up all of like the the notable spy characters. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um. So that was uh that was a pretty kick-ass draft in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I agree. I want to go over my uh my also rans, if you will. Sure. Um. So some other names that I pulled up just to see what I can do about it. Uh, for a pilot, my idea was uh, Porkins. <laughs> I mean, if you want to like get your whole crew. Oh, I know, I know. Pilot. I just I wrote down. I said I just wanted to give him a second chance, you know, to prove himself, you know. Uh, and then uh, another one I was thinking about muscle. So my idea was Dex, the uh, the basculist bartender yes. from episode two. Yeah. I figured that he has enough connection underneath the uh, you know in the uh, bowels of Coruscant that he can help you out in that sense. You know what I mean? <clears throat> I also was going for Maz Kanata. Uh, I figured her knowledge was useful and everything. Yes. Um, can't go wrong with Lobot. Ah, he was he was nearly on my list. Ah, there we he go. Was, he's number six on my list. Ah, see, because you like I said, he he has control uh, to the entire you know the entire network of Cloud City. You know, he he can control it from his little headset himself. Yeah. Um. And you've read the Lando comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How he how he kind of like had his uh, his bot take over and everything. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I, I feel bad for him for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, I feel like he was much more personable once upon a time. Oh, so, yeah. Like, for your glue guy that you were kind of talking about yeah. uh, with, with Reddy as your pick. Like, he he would have been that in the pre-bot uh, takeover 
That's true. Yeah. Something that wouldn't like you know kick him out or whatever, what have yeah. you. Uh, and then the other two I had were from the aftermath novels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite character from that book was Sinjir Rathavilas. He was an ex-imperial uh, loyalty yeah. officer. Yep. Uh, he was just a drunkard, but uh, he also just knew how to make uh, every bone in your body hurt. He knew how to, like, just all the pain areas and everything like that. So I figured you need someone like that. Yes. And an yes. ex-imperial always helps. Yeah. And then yeah. uh, I was looking for pilots as well. So I went with Nora Wexley, nice. who nice. is, like, the kind of the protagonist of the stories. Yes. That's all I got. Snap, Snap Wexley's mom. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, building on that, so, we, well, we already touched on Lobot. Um, but another character that I had from the Aftermath uh, books was Mr. Bones. Oh, I would. I almost had him on my list. Yeah. Mr. Bones is ready for violence. That's <laughs> that was always <laughs> yes. my favorite thing. Violence is or hug is like violence, but with less violence. <laughs> <laughs> oh <Yep>. my god! <laughs> and then uh, the only other one that I wanted, but then I I couldn't go through with it because I felt like it would be cheating. Was uh, Corn Horn? Corn Horn. I know that name. So he's another um, character that appears in uh, the X-Wing books originally, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, I, is that the first appearance? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, but he eventually learns that he is, is Force-sensitive, very Force-sensitive. Yeah. Um, so he then becomes kind of one of Luke's right-hand Jedi, like, in the new Jedi Order. That... Yeah, that might actually be where I know him from. Because yeah. um, I'm familiar with those books itself, and Corrin Horn actually sounds very familiar from that. But Yeah, yeah, and he kind of, like, you know, he kind of has a pretty big role. Like, they even, like, did basically a standalone novel for him called I, Jedi. Oh, I've heard about that. I should yeah. read that now. It's a really good it's one. A really good one. I think, the like, the author who introduced him in the X-Wing books, um, his name is Michael Stackpole. Not that anybody really cares, but um, but he's definitely one of my very very favorite legends authors. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he's done anything in the new canon, but but he was great for that stuff. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I think that was a pretty solid list. I don't know about you, man. Yeah, I agree. I think it was uh, a lot of you know some some surprising picks, some amusing picks. Oh yeah. I think you know I think both teams would do a good job. I think my team might be a little bit more military oriented. Yeah, I think mine's more ragtag, run of the yeah. mill. Like, yeah, it's a little bit more bounty hunter. Yeah, that's kind of what I was <laughs> thinking about. Like, I wanted to have just that unpredictable crew. Like, they, you know, it's just a motley crew essentially. You, yeah. It's just people you wouldn't expect to be together. Yeah, that's that's where I was leaning for it. Um, but I think uh, I think that's a a, a close for this one. Um, there's one thing, one more thing I want to bring up. Um, I just happen to have a chance cube here, as Watto would say. Um, and the idea behind our chance cube is that, uh, you know, I'm going to say blue is for Andrew and black is for me. Uh, and what we're going to do is actually use the chance cube to determine who does what next week or the following week, rather, uh, for the next podcast. So uh, the idea being uh, whether it be, you know, a book review or something like that. So let's say if you win the role, you pick something for me and vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, would you care to t- toss it or you want me to toss it? Uh, I'll go let you go ahead okay. and toss it. So blue for you, black for me. And blue. I guess that means you win. 
So you pick okay. for me. Okay. Um, we might go ahead and do a book report. I'm hoping that by the time we get together next time, I will have completed Thrawn. Thrawn, the first Thrawn. Yes. Okay. I can do that. I'll get back into it, and I'll take my notes and everything, and we can uh, dissect it. Because it's like I already said, we can do a whole episode about Thrawn, so I'm not mad yeah. about that. Yeah, he's been a very popular figure today, and it's like it's on the top of my mind because I am reading the book as we speak. <laughs> so, yeah, I think let's let's go with that and see what we learn. All right, sounds good. Uh, all right, from uh, everyone here, uh, just the two of us, really, uh, I think I want to say thank you for tuning in. And again, uh, always had a great time. I don't know, I had a great time. Andrew, how did you have a good time? Huh? It was a boring conversation anyway. <laughs>